Welcome to The Lottery. I'm your host, John Wasserman of Bleacher Report. This podcast is being brought to you by Untuck It and Manscaped, two essential men's products. And this week, I'm joined by Cole Zwicker of The Stepian. He's been out here before. If you uh, are an NBA Draft fan, I'm sure you already follow him on Twitter, at Cole Zwicker. Cole, we are here. We had some college hoops last night. We are definitely back. It's like an onslaught, right? When it happens, you're really amped for it. And then you realize there's like 11 to 12 games you have to get to, plus continuing to watch the NBA. But it was fun. I should say the second game of the Champions Classic was actually fun. <laughs> yeah, the first game was not so fun. In fact, yeah, I was at the Garden last night um, and uh, off to a great start with the Garden. The elevator didn't work. The stats weren't working. And they've sat me on the fucking <laughs> roof. I was on the, at the Garden. I, I, I hate going to the Garden for college basketball because they – the media they sent they they sit you so damn high except for like the hot shots who they sit like right behind the basket which isn't great seat to begin with but otherwise you're either right behind the basket or like 40 stories up which would be okay if it was hockey but <laughs> but anyway so that first game's going on and i'm just like you know that first day you're just like box score surfing like looking at all the games like i'm like refreshing every 10 minutes to see like if some if like a freshman, you know, made a shot yet in, in, uh, in a meaningless game. But, um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so a, a lot of big names did play last night at the Garden. Um, let's just fast forward to the, uh, the big um, event, which was Tyrese Maxey, Kentucky. He was uh, the big storyline of the Champions Classic. Uh, goes off for 26 points, five boards. You can already feel there's like a lot of people on social media. I, I told you so. Um, there was a lot of uh, people who, who thought he would may have been undervalued uh, heading into this year with so much attention being paid to Lamelo and Cole Anthony and, and Wiseman and, and even Anthony Edwards. But Maxie goes off for 26. Um, just what was your first initial reaction as this was all happening? I loved his aggressiveness and his confidence. You watched, I watched a lot of freshmen yesterday, and there was a lot of tentativeness on the floor. A lot of guys didn't know exactly what to do. And that's what stuck out to me most about Maxi. And that's a common trait that you see with some other freshmen that have really translated well to the NBA. Like, again, he's not Darren Fox as an overall athlete, but that just natural assertiveness, that aggressiveness, the confidence to get to your spots, not get frozen, make decisive reads, make decisive plays, that really popped for me. Yeah, I mean, I'd say like watching him in high school, um, one of the reasons why I didn't have him top five this year is just like, you know, he misses that that explosiveness like Fox does and like uh, Donovan Mitchell. But uh, it looked better in person, honestly. And uh, he just looked, it looked like he belonged. Like, obviously, he looked like he belonged. But um, <laughs> you know, he, like he didn't look like athleticism was like a problem for him. And, and I think, like you said, he really uses those hesitations really well to, to get by his man. He doesn't need to like fly above the rim um, to, to be effective offensively and creating his own shot. And his body is just, he's, he's strong. He's built. I forget what they list him at, maybe like 185, 190. Um, but uh, he clearly has a solid frame, uh, which he used to, to finish after contact. And, um, you know, what type of player do you see him being at the next level? I mean, he's, he's six, three. I mean, I'm not, I don't think any more of the, the 6'3 versus 6'4 versus 6'5 matters too much anymore in, in positionless NBA, but um, what, what type of 
guy, I mean, I, I hate to bring up comparisons already, but is there anyone that comes to mind? Like, I'm trying to envision how he fits on the NBA floor. Is he a primary initiator? Do you want to put him next to a point guard and, and he's your two? Like, where do you see him fitting on an NBA floor? Yeah, I initially came into this game thinking more of a multiple ball handler guy. Like, I thought the point guard upside was there, but I didn't know how realizable it was. Do you really want to w- run your offense through him? Because I kind of agree on lower levels. Like, I really liked him item number four coming into the year, but I wasn't like this guy is like a clear cut, like, get. I think he's really solid. I think he's really good, but you never really saw the high level handling ability, like, get, like explosive in and outs, like these hesitation crossovers to a really high level. Like, he can do them, but it never really popped athletically to the point you'd be like, okay, I want him initially my offense he doesn't have like a super dynamic pull-up game it exists but he's got a pretty low release point his shot can be bothered a little bit I just didn't see the overall explosion like you said but I do think the point guard upside exists I don't know if there is a specific comparison that comes to mind like some people have brought up like someone like Mike Conley and I think that that is a, a shift from kind of his perceived position I think a lot of people thought this guy's a two guard he's kind of a combo that you want him playing off the ball next to another point guard I think we have to kind of change the discussion now to at least include that he can be a primary ball handler because I do think that upside exists. Yeah, he. I mean, he took the ball up the court for Kentucky. I mean, he made the initial decision running their offense and um, whether it was uh, off a ball screen or a give it up and then get it back. Uh, he was uh, he was the go-to guy. It was pretty cool to see. And man, he hit that that big balls he shot down the stretch. I mean, that <laughs> place went nuts. It's it's always weird watching like a, one of these college games. I go to the Garden a lot. I, I li- I've always lived in New York and. Um, so I go to for Nick games all the time. And when you go to see, you know, Kentucky versus Kansas, like every, no matter what people are cheering, like if a made basket goes in for either team, they're cheering. So the energy last night was wild. Um, and uh, it was Kentucky, Michigan state. Sorry. But, but uh, yeah, he was, um, he was really fueled by that, by the the crowd, I think. And uh, he's going to be a fun player to watch. I mean, I, I quickly moved him up another tier. I'll admit I didn't have him in that same tier at like the top five. I had him more as like a, a late lottery guy, um, but I'm buying in to that first performance. You already had him top five, so I'm obviously you're buying in. But uh, yeah, he was uh, he was impressive, and any concerns I really had coming in were quickly squashed with one game. Um, let's go to, uh, this was a different game, but Trey Jones, because I think I had a lot of thoughts on, on him coming into the year, and everybody knows and loves Trey Jones, and they know his limitations. They know his strengths. Uh, do you think anything, just based on what you saw from that one game, has anything on the scouting report changed for you? Not really. Honestly, he looked mostly like the same guy. It was good to see him knock down five of six free throws because the main issues with him offensively are, can he hit a pull-up jump shot? Can he hit a catch-and-shoot three? Uh, how good is his touch? Like Assessing all of those different qualities, can he be an on-ball guard? Is he more of an off-ball guard? And I think, to me, honestly, he still looks more like an off-ball guard. And the shooting, you still have that variance. I'm not sold on his catch-and-shoot even. Pull-up, I'm definitely not sold on. He didn't give you any reason to really buy into that yesterday. I didn't make any of his three-point shots. To me, he looked mostly like the same guy. I always thought his kind of slashing athleticism was a little underrated. Like, he's got pretty long strides. He's got some craft around the basket. So none of that stuff really surprised me. I was just mainly looking for, can this guy score off the dribble, especially pulling up? Can he hit shots off the catch? Can you plug him into this kind of role next? to this big wing type in the NBA that initiates offense like a Luka Doncic. I still don't have enough of my concerns um, eased to to say that confidently. Yeah, I mean, for me, I still see him as a late first-round pick. And uh, that's that's not to knock him. I I expect him to be... I I figure he's going to be a value pick anywhere because I do think he's an NBA player. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, clearly his, his ceiling is, is limited and everything about him just points to backup point guard. But that whole idea that, that makes winning plays, which he did last night down the stretch, um, I, I think that just translates. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how teams value him being a guard who can't really score in the half court. I know he, he did knock down a couple of those short mid-range uh, pull-ups, but uh, I don't expect those to be available to him really at the next level. And you don't really see him putting a ton of pressure as a driver. Um, but just as a guy who makes good decisions offensively, then clearly really digs in defensively. That's really where his value is going to lie. Um, you know, but you, you hope he's like, I don't think he's going to be a, a Fred Van Vliet. I don't think he's got that offense in him, but um, like when Van Vliet came into league, I always figured like, okay, this guy's like a toughness specialist. Like that's how he's going to carve out the role. <laughs> I know that's like not a thing. Actually, you know, it, it is a thing. He just ended up becoming much better offensively, but uh, that's kind of where I saw Trey Jones uh, going and, and, I, it didn't look like really he added anything to his game last year. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that affects his stock, whether he like moves up the board, whether he ends up going like Jalen Brunson as like an early second round pick. You know, if you were to slot him in this upcoming draft, you know, where would you say it would be an appropriate place to take Trey? I think late first, early second would be okay. I, I don't know about him. It depends on who declares and like how the freshmen pop and whatnot. I agree with you in theory. That's the kind of player that I wanted him to be last year. It was like a Fred Van Fleet type of more of a two guard in the half court. Someone who just makes winning decisions. He makes great decisions. Great defensive player. I just don't know if the NBA really knows how to use those guys if you can't really shoot. And Van Fleet has turned into one of the most reliable shooters off the catch right. in the league. He's more of actually a two guard optimally. So if Trey can really prove that catch and shoot ability for me, he doesn't even have to have this dynamic pull-up game. It's more just, can he play off the ball? Can he be a reliable enough catch-and-shoot guy? Because he can really attack closeouts and make secondary decisions. We know about the defense. I just don't have enough confidence in saying that yet. But I would be fine, considering the class strength, if he goes late first, early second, I wouldn't have a strong objection to it. All right, another Duke guy who I think is pretty polarizing. I've seen people have him top 10. I know guys who have him like rank in the 60 to 70 range. Matthew Hurt. Now, Hurt comes out, wow. Hurt comes out really fast. And and bricks that three off off the off the backboard, and then he re- and then he quickly bounces back. We saw a little step back in the mid range. Um, he knocked down a, a easy three. He clearly has that that high release, pretty effortless. Um, he's got that perimeter game going, but um, you know doesn't really pop athletically or or, or physically. Uh, can he guard? Who's he going to guard? Uh, again, I know, and I'm I think I have an idea of where you're going to go with hurt but I don't want to say it just yet. But let me get your reaction to what you thought of Hurt before last night and what you thought of Hurt today. Yeah, I was pretty high on him, honestly. Like He just has a very translatable game offensively. I really believe in the catch and shoot three. I like the mechanics. He just has an effortless stroke. Like you said, very minimal lower body input, which I love in bigger players. And I thought his shot making was underrated, honestly. I can shoot off the dribble. We saw that kind of step back in the mid range last night. You see that on lower level film. And that's having the balance and like the high release point to do that for six, nine that is kind of rare. So I was in on that as like kind of a secondary off ball score with some untapped upside defensively. I think he moves better than he gets credit for in space. You saw that in FIBA play mostly like he's not slow. He's not like a great dynamic switch defender, but I think he can hang there. I, I have issues pretty much everywhere else as far as actually being a big man and like physicality, 
two rebounds last night. That didn't do anything to assuage those concerns. Honestly, like he got pushed around. He's never been like a dynamic rim protector. And that's my number one thing I was looking for him last night was can this guy make rotations? Can he challenge at the rim? He's very smart on both sides. He really knows how to play, makes the right pass, makes the right rotation for the most part. But can he actually impact plays at the end of that defensively? And we didn't see that. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, I mean, I'm buying into the jump shot and 16 guys with that type of skill level and that particular skill set as a, as a, a stretch big um, and who could make specialty shots like we saw that, that uh, fall away, whatever, uh, around the foul line. He's going to make shots at the next level, but, uh, man, he's going to get – they're going to target him defensively, I think, down low. I think he's going to get bullied around. Um, I question whether he's going to really be able to separate. You know, if he's going to spend all this time on the perimeter – um, and he's got the ball in space. Is he going to be able to separate one-on-one? How far is he going to get attacking a closeout? And what's he going to do once he gets into the paint? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know about him. Um, I, I'm a little bit lower on, on Hurt than most. I still think he's probably – I probably have him in the late first round, which is where I put him in my last mock. Um, but I don't, want to get, I don't want to get too deep on him. It's one game. And honestly, except for FIBA play, I really hadn't seen him in person coming in. So I, I want to let – a month go by before I really come to a firm conclusion, but uh, I do have a some concern about Hertz upside. Of course, again, everybody loves a stretch big, and, and I'm buying into the jump shot. But uh, I'm interested to see how he holds up physically, how he performs um, in tight spaces inside the arc uh, in terms of rebounding and, and finishing around the basket um, and, and and defending the, that that post area. Um, another guy on Duke, a big guy, uh, Vernon Carey, who is you know great high school player. Uh, I'd seen him a million times coming in, and we saw a lot of ups and downs with him. He was a, really a mixed bag um, during that first game, listed at 270 pounds. Honestly, I didn't even think he looked 270 pounds, but that's what he's listed at. He buried two threes, which was surprising to me. What was your takeaway uh, on his performance last night? I was mostly looking at the space defense element just because I kind of was familiar with this game. He's played at a lot of um, upper echelon events and he didn't do anything to really calm those concerns either. I mean, he got blown by quite a a bit. He doesn't do well redistributing his weight on the perimeter and the defense is a huge concern point. I mean, the rim protection, he had a couple blocks, but his rotations were late. I didn't see him impacting shots from a standstill, not like the bounciest athlete. He's not going to go up and block a shot and drop coverage, for example. He has the strength, but does he have the bounce and the like the overwhelming length to do that. I don't think so. I don't know who he guards effectively, especially in space in the modern game. The offense, I think, is kind of underrated, like in scrimmage play. He's a better passer than he gets credit for. I think some driving kicks. He has some vision. I don't know if I completely buy the jump shot. I know he hit two threes and he's capable there mechanically. Like I don't think it's as soft and his overall process is a fluid as someone like Jonte Porter, for example, another lefty coming out. I don't feel as confident in his jump shot. That's obviously going to be the swing skill for him on that side of the floor because I think he can get his in the post like he's a multi-dimensional offensive player he can post smalls he can kind of take bigger guys out and stretch if the jump shot translates I just don't know how firmly I believe that and we'll get a better depiction of that by the end of the year I am not a fan at all in fact I took him off my first round board I mean I just don't <laughs> see what he does well enough um, in terms of being an NBA big man and, and yeah he's got that body and, and he could score around the post but it didn't work last night I know he had tough matchups with Azubuki and, and uh, McCormack but um, what an NBA team is going to do, feed him in the post. That's going to be his, his thing at the next level. And defensively, he was a disaster. I mean, even the ones where he got blown by, it looked like he, it looked like he, you know, he had cement feet, like stuck to the ground and didn't even try. <laughs> um, he was a, such a turnoff to me last night. 
that I took him off the first round board. And um, again, obviously, if this was 20 years ago, maybe things would have been different in terms of evaluating him. But in terms of today's game and just his body language defensively, like it it was just such a turn. And even that that bank shot free throw, um, I I might as well chalk that up as a miss. I'm just, I I know he had two threes (laughs) and he's made some strides, you know, his senior year of high school, but I I can't really say that he's going to be a shooter. Uh, I don't think he's good enough to be um, somebody you feed down low in the post. And, uh, you know, what else, if he's not going to be a plus defender, I'm not really sure what, what there is to, to really like about him as a first round pick. I don't want to spend the whole time bashing him after one game, but just quick takeaway. I, I'm really down on Vernon Carey. Um, what about, uh, let's go to a positive point to, to bring, to bring some light to this podcast. Um, Abaji from Kansas, who, uh, I wasn't really high on last year. Honestly, I don't think I put him on any list or rankings. Um, that I've that I've uh, came up with, um, but he had 15, six, four steals last night for Kansas. Played with some energy, looked like a more polished overall player. Had a couple threes, had a nice finish. Was pretty active defensively. Uh, did have like five turnovers to two assists. Um, I'm not really ready to buy in. Are you? I'm not no something just doesn't do it for me about his game like he just never pops like maybe it's his decision making and just what he does on the floor a lot of Kansas guys suffered from this last night you know being careless with the ball not making good decisions that's kind of what he's always stood out to me as I never really know exactly what he's doing um, concisely and for some reason I guess that just pops in a negative fashion but I I think there is some intrigue here as a prospect but I I just got to see more and be more convinced over a bigger sample I I don't know he's just not one of those guys where I watch and say yeah I get it like for an NBA role player he just doesn't make those kinds of high level decisions yeah no totally agree I'll give him this I'll put him on my my second round radar but um, I'm again I'm just like I said before with uh, Vernon I'm not really sure what his specialty is at the next level and we'll see if his if he continues to shoot well. I mean, that might that might change my opinion, or if he kind of settles down. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm still not really sure who he is in the NBA. But uh, he played well enough to at least he, he showed enough progress. I think in terms of his general polish and skill level to put on the second round radar. So he'll be somebody uh, I'll certainly be tracking more closely this year than I did last year. Before we move on any further, I think it's important to note that the holidays are just around the corner. And if you're looking for a gift idea, I have the perfect one, whether it's for yourself, for your man, for your dad, for your father-in-law. How about an Untuck It shirt? Unlike most shirts, Untuck It shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. This is 2019. We wear our shirts untucked these days. Untuck It shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter what size, so you look sharp, but also casual. I'm not the tallest guy. Every time I wear a button-down untucked, it gets wrinkled at the bottom. It's too long, hangs down to my knees. It looks awkward. These untucked shirts are designed to be worn out of your belt. No matter your size or shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. Obviously, it's a good gift for yourself, but man, it it stands out as such a good gift for, for dads who try and look young with the untucked look, but usually have like a nightgown going on. Either way, whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to create a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuckit is the way to go. Visit Untuckit.com. Use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T. 
U-C-K-I-T.com, untuckit.com, and use the promo code BLUE for 20% off. I got another gift idea that really is just, it's kind of necessary for guys. Support for Blue Wire comes from Manscaped, who's number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The fact is, this isn't the 1970s. You have to clean up below the belt, and there really has not been a tool designed to make it a smooth process. Well, now there is. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has a proprietary skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. That's right, I said your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and you don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls, which is probably what most of you do out there, and that's just, I mean, it's nasty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Yes, all us men need a ball deodorant. You already put it on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls, I promise you, they'll thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BLUEWIRE. Now that we've covered your balls, let's get back to basketballs. Um, who can we jump to? Wendell Moore who uh, was brutal last <laughs> yesterday. I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people um, like him. He's like the youngest prospect probably in the draft if he does declare. And uh, one game, his first game, not going to be too hard on him. He was pretty bad. Did you have any takeaway from that, or was that just a fluky poor performance? Yeah, I tweeted that he is like, I think he is the youngest guy in this class, and he played like that. I mean, he was sped up basically the entire time. He took some really rushed shots, I thought. He just didn't calm down. He never really got into the flow of the game. So uh, this was kind of a brutal performance to evaluate him on. I, I think he has shown much more at lower levels. And again, we're talking about age. This guy's very, very young for this class. So I think people got to be a little bit more patient with him. But obviously, last night, you're not making any conclusory decisions in, in, the, in a positive fashion. He wasn't very good. We'll see about the jump shot, how confident he is in that. In Duke scrimmage play, I watched all of Duke scrimmages preseason like he wasn't completely confident in his jumper. The three didn't look convincing. It might be more of a multi-year um, work on those mechanics, work on the, the confidence at Duke to really get that. I think if he does, though, he's a little bit underrated as a ball handler. I thought his balance has been pretty poor, honestly. He falls down a lot in games. I just think he has to slow down and kind of just play within himself a little bit more. And that's something that some young guys have to go through. But not, not a lot of positive takeaways from his performance last night, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm... Coming in, um, I, he was somebody I've really been undecided on. I mean, I've I've uh, gone through a lot of his high school tape, and, and I get I get his game, but I don't really get his game. Like I don't really know who he is or, or what he what his um, identity is really as an offensive player. Uh, but uh, I could see with the NBA body, with, with you know, he just kind of finds ways to to score and, and weird ways. And, you know, I feel like he could get you five buckets and, and five different ways each game, that type of guy, but uh, we'll see, we'll see where he goes from here. I can only be up. <laughs> so um, I'm interested to see if this is going to be a guy who sticks around for a couple of years or if, uh, or if he, this was just a, a low starting point and he kind of builds throughout the season, which, which does tend to happen with some of these young guys. Um, a guy we've seen a lot, Cassius Winston, uh, potential national player of the year candidate. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see 
if if all the college success he has translates to NBA interest, translates to an NBA career. You buying him as an NBA point guard? I think he definitely gets a shot, especially because teams are getting so much smarter about investing in potential G League guys who can run their offense and kind of get their prospects the ball and have like maybe a third point guard. I think he fits that to the T because he can shoot off the dribble. He can definitely run an offense and pick and roll initiate that way. I don't know if I buy him being impactful in any capacity. I think he gets swallowed up by athleticism, the lack of explosion. He just can't jump at all around the basket, but he's got great floater touch. And again, he can just read the entire floor. He has that spatial awareness. So that's something that NBA teams are going to look for. I have no problem with him getting drafted at all. I just don't know if I'd prioritize him. He's not one of those kind of, he might get, I guess, like categorized as some Fred Van Fleet type of player. He's not that big as far as sturdiness, and I don't think he's going to provide that defensive value. So that's where I would differentiate him a little bit. He's a little bit smaller. I think he's more of a backup point guard type. Yeah, I mean, I, I give him a shot in the second round. He's too just good of a basketball player. But uh, seeing him in person last night was, I, I know he played, I know he finished with 21 points and, and four assists. But you just didn't, I didn't look like I was watching an NBA player. Having said that, I'd still draft him in, in the second round and just uh, as one of those guys who kind of defies the, the laws of NBA upside, who just kind of, who's just too good. He's just going to figure it out, knows the game too well. Um, but uh, I don't think he did anything last night um, against a good, good uh, Kentucky team to kind of change my opinion and say, okay, he must be in the first round. So uh, we'll see where Winston goes from here. What about the other Cassius? Cassius Stanley on, on Duke, who honestly, I'd say of all the Duke guys, I'd probably seen him the least. And I know he's the big time athlete, uh, but he made a lot of, and he doesn't have like the, the skill package that you're looking for in a wing player, but he made some big plays last night. Do you think that there's anything to him or are we still just talking about a good athlete? Yeah. I mean, the jump shot is really what's going to determine it for him. If you have any kind of confidence in that, it raises his ceiling. Like we've talked about a lot of these guys, there isn't a specialty skill. There's not one thing that translates that you feel like is really bankable. I'm not sure what that is for Stanley yet. I mean, the athleticism, especially in transition is it's there, obviously like he's always been a plus athlete. It's just, can he provide enough skill value? And that's really going to come via his shot. I think mostly not someone who really impressed me at all at lower levels. So I can't, I'm not going to read too much into one game when a lot of the evidence and a lot of my eye test tells me otherwise, but he's definitely someone to, to watch pretty closely as the season progresses. Yeah. Um, again, that was like a, a baseline for me. I, I, that was as much as I've seen him play certainly in person uh, for a full game. And so uh, he hit that big three at the end and, um, he, he made some big time athletic plays in transition and, and getting to the basket. He played with high energy, but I think he needs a little more to be considered, you know, a first round caliber player. So we'll see how much he uh, expands his offensive game, is off the dribble, and uh, if he could shoot the three at a decent clip. I think he'll be an interesting, um, an interesting prospect. And uh, last guy I want to bring up is Ashton Hagens because he came out. Hagens for Kentucky came out and it looked like it looked like he was going to be the the bounce back player who. Uh, um, the most improved player on the floor um, hit a, a pretty pull up. His handle looked tighter. He was getting to his spots at a pretty finish. Uh, and then he kind of faded as the game went on. Do you think Hagens has enough offense to be considered a first round point guard? 
I don't think so. I don't know if the pull up is going to be dynamic enough. He's again, not a crazy explosive leaper either. And like his decision making is just so inconsistent. If he was one of these high level decision makers, high level thinkers, I would probably give him a little bit more leeway. But I've just never been a fan of how he reads the game consistently. Like he does have some nice reads at times, but he, he does make some poor decisions on the floor. So with his size, I, I've always felt like he's a little overrated athletically because people are like, oh, he's this dynamic this is what people do, especially with these kinds of pit bull defenders that really get up into you. It's like, oh, he can really do that at the next level. That's not really how the NBA defense works. It's more about switching. It's more about strength and size. I don't know if any of that intensity, that the quick hands that he has, really translates to a high level either. So I'm, I'm more skeptical on him. I kind of always have been. Yeah, he wasn't on any of my boards last year. And um, unless he makes a, a big improvement this year, I just don't. I just don't see it. So um, I don't want to waste too much time on Higgins. I want to get to um, my mock draft, which uh, it's interesting because the draft, the projected draft uh, lottery, you know, for just going based on like the NBA standings right now and you know, the Warriors suddenly suck and now they're going to be a potential top five team. I think it's pretty interesting. You know, my editors last night, like at the last second, were like, we need a mock draft um, for after this, after uh, the games tonight, can you do it? And I'm like, you know what? I'm actually really interested to do it because now there's a whole new group of teams projected to pick high in the draft. The Knicks right now have the worst record in the league. Let's just go back and forth for the top five. I'm curious, who would you take um, based on what I took also? So the Knicks have the, say the Knicks get the first pick in the draft. Who would you take if you're the Knicks right now? I think right now it would probably be Cole Anthony just because I've seen the most of him is lower level tape. I feel the best about his projection. I think he has the fewest weaknesses in his game and he also has considerable strengths as far as mostly a downhill athlete. I'm a little concerned about his side to side shiftiness as far as shake that way, but the pull up game, I believe in more than consensus. He's like a 90% free throw shooter almost at lower levels. He's got great touch. Um, He can get to the rim. I've I've been really impressed with his passing. Honestly, that's been his best skill in preseason play has been, his ability to read the floor, make skip passes, drop offs on the move. I think he's the most natural kind of point guard right now um, that can actually score the ball. That's something that's really crucial to his input is he can really score. LaMelo, I might like a little bit more, honestly, <laughs> in a vacuum. But I, I think right now, based on the sample, I got to go Cole until I'm proven otherwise. All right. For the Knicks, I drafted Cole Anthony as well. And uh, I did that based on I think that's who the Knicks would take. I'm positive they're more familiar with Cole Anthony than they are with LaMelo and uh, with Anthony Edwards. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Knicks obviously need a, a point guard desperately. I don't think that they take James Wiseman. I know uh, ESPN has Wiseman number one. Um, but uh, Cole Anthony, to me, is is the choice here. And who I think they would take, of course, they have the relationship with Greg. But uh, full package, full package lead guard, which is what they need. Um, scoring, shooting, passing. And uh, just a, a basketball junkie. I think the Knicks just need a safe, safe pick. And to me, he at this point, I know he hasn't played a game yet, but he is the safest pick to me at, at number one overall, probably regardless of who's going, uh, who's picking at number one. But I think if the Knicks get the first pick, I would put money down that Cole Anthony would be their first choice. All right. As of based on this mock draft, I did, I guess the standings change like every day since it's so <laughs> early, but the Pelicans, the Pelicans just started off uh, one in five. Uh, without Zion, they're projected to pick two in this one I did. But forget whoever's picking at number two. Um, I took Anthony Edwards. Who would you go with at number two? 
I think right now I would lean LaMelo over Edwards, but for the Pelicans, that's really fascinating. I mean, of course, they would hope that Cole would fall and they would give him kind of that pull-up threat to pair with Zion in a pick-and-roll setting. I don't know if... I mean, Edwards has shown really good acuity there as far as his pull-up game has been really impressive. I don't know if he can make enough decisions, but either way, I think it would be between Anthony Edwards and LaMelo. I, I, I do get the an intrigue of getting Edwards there because he doesn't have to play on the ball. Like he, His shot to me has been really impressive overall. Can play off. I'm not sure if he's actually an initiator, so plug him into a multiple ball handler setting like they have in New Orleans, but it actually make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I don't think he is a, an initiator. I, I really like the, I mean, I guess it depends how you define the term initiator, but I do like the Donovan Mitchell comparison in terms of style, in terms of what type of score he's going to be. And I have no doubt that he's going to put up points at every level, but um, I've, I've been to games of his in high school where it's like, he's, you forgot, you know, after 10 minutes, he's in the game or he just scores randomly throughout, and, and the points are kind of meaningless. And so picking that high, I mean, I don't want to compare it to Wiggins, but it's like that same potential issue that you're trying to avoid where this guy's going to be productive, but is that production going to translate to, uh, to impact stretches of a game? And that's my only fear with Anthony Edwards, and some of his, his low lights are going to be really discouraging this year. I mean, I, I didn't even watch his first game yet, but I watched his exhibition game, and I posted only his highlights because I don't want to dig too deep this early. But his lowlights are like brutal, where he, you know, he pull, he, he takes a, a nonchalant uh, twenty-seven footer that hits nothing but backboard defensively. He doesn't even try. On the other hand, his his highlights are unreal. Uh, he's got such impressive shot creation ability, such impressive shot making ability, uh, both going north south to the basket and east west as a, as a pull up and step back shooter. Um, I think talent-wise, as long as he doesn't really screw up during interviews, I think he's a, a top three lock, and I think he's got a very good chance to go number one overall, depending on what Cole Anthony does. I really don't think LaMelo goes number one. I just don't think a team is going to take him number one, but I do think LaMelo is in play at number two overall. Um, in this last mock draft, I have Memphis Grizzlies picking at number three, so I took LaMelo at number three. That would be a, kind of a fun backcourt, right? John Morant and LaMelo, but I guess... John Morant and Anthony Edwards uh, would be pretty cool too. Morant's been off to like on fire start, by the way. I, I can't believe how good he is uh, so early. I didn't expect Morant um, to click this fast, but I guess if you're the Grizzlies who are, I mean, they're going to stink this year. I mean, they, their team is just too young to, to, to rack up wins. But if you were the Grizzlies, who's, who's the guy you really want to target? Yeah, I think LaMelo makes a lot of sense for them because you don't have to worry about with, with LaMelo then, is he this primary ball handler all the time? It would be more of a multiple ball handler. He'd be like a secondary playing off Morant as well, which makes sense because they play a lot of five out and just getting that extra playmaking on the floor would be really big for them. So I think that marries like best player available versus you could actually see the fit working because LaMelo's size at 6'6", that could actually be your backcourt of the future. I don't see them going Wiseman with Jaron being kind of their center of the future. Maybe if they got the fourth pick, they would just make it work but I think given who's on the board with LaMelo and, and Wiseman I think they would lean LaMelo yeah and so here at number four I have the Golden State Warriors and um, I know Wiseman is pretty uh, polarizing I know that some have him number one overall um, I know that some don't have him in the lottery uh, I think that's a little bit of a stretch not have him in the lottery but, <laughs> but I, I get the concerns um, anyway the Warriors who have Steph and Russell and Clay coming back next year, you got to think that they're going to have their eyes set on the big man and Wiseman could be there if those top three guys go up the board. Uh, you know, what, 
give me your quick take on James Wiseman and, and where do you think he should go in this upcoming draft? Yeah, he's really the biggest wild card for me right now. He's more of a guy that RCI has high and there's a lot of projection right now in his game just because if you watched him play in high school, the majority of it was not good tape. Like you would never look at this guy. Like I watched the game against Prolific Prep. I just dropped myself into that game and normally you can see it with these guys. You can see it with Cade Cunningham in five minutes. You can see it with these number one picks in the past like Ben Simmons. I never saw it with Wiseman. I was like, why is this guy being considered the number one pick? Outside of just the movement skills and the length and the physical tools. Like actual basketball player, why is he that high? And I just never got it. But then you have flashes like the Hoop Summit and then there's, there's this whole narrative now that he's kind of flipped the switch defensively and i'm very intrigued if that's the case i'm just a little bit more skeptical than i guess some are putting him at number one overall but i'm not someone who has him like outside of the first round i'm literally just wait and see like he could be five he could be four he could be 12 i would be surprised if he was outside of my lottery just based on upside we're not going to find that out for a little bit like the game he played last night i watched probably 11 games last night and you're not going to take much away from wiseman i I can't remember who they were playing but second play of the game was basically an offensive rebound put back dunk it was a switch situation where he had three guard size players around him nobody boxed him out it's like what are you supposed to do with that information his stat line was incredible i think he was like 28 and 11 that doesn't really mean much to me does he impact winning how does he do against matchups that have historically plagued him like he hasn't played well against isaiah stewart or oscar Tashibwe. so it, there's a lot of he has to show me that's kind of where i'm approaching this as like i can raise him up but i'm going to start more skeptical because that's who he's been for most of his high school career yeah i think no matter what he's going to go high in the draft regardless of what holes in his game start to show whether it's defending pick and rolls or uh, floating offensively and trying to pretend he's a wing when he's not. I think teams are just going to kind of overlook for the most part, um, the holes in his game this year and just draft him based on talent uh, and being seven, one, two forty seven, six wingspan. And the fact that he's got a skill set in place, he doesn't have the skill level that hasn't caught up, but he does have the ability to make a jump shot. He can, you know, give you a hook shot in the lane. And I think teams are, are going to take him, uh, and play the patient game with him and just bank on bet on his talent. But yeah, I, I think those guards have to go before him. And if the Warriors end up picking top five, the guards are gone. I think Wiseman to Golden State, uh, you know, penciled in right now. And then Chicago Bulls at number five. Um, I One of the reasons why they wanted me to do a, a mock draft after the games last night was to see if anything changes based on the results. And sure enough, Tyrese Maxey has jumped up to <laughs> number five. Uh, replacing Danny Abdia from Israel. And um, you see, I, I, I'm guessing that you see Maxi right now as the best player available in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the number one point of emphasis there. And also, I think that he can fit into the Bulls game. Like Kobe White, I don't think is an initiator type either. He's more of a combo. I think Maxi actually has more potential as a point guard based on his decision-making ability. So I think those two could actually pair okay like defensively you're worried a little bit but they're like a supersized version of like garland sexton i think they're gonna they can be better than that defensively you're still it's not optimal because you're not getting that like six six wing type size that can switch but i don't think you care about that i mean if you're the bulls you just take the best player the best prospect long term on your board which i think they've done a pretty decent job of in the past like i wasn't as high on lowry but they seem to be fixated to operate that way and i think that would be the best decision here okay i'm gonna do some quick hitters before we uh, sign off here um, just guys who I probably have ranked differently than most. Um, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl uh, Villanova. I've always been very high on. He continues to move up my board every time I watch him play. Uh, I've seen him a ton in person. 
before he arrived at Villanova. I probably have him too high, but I just right now I can't find anybody else that I want to put in front of him. I have him at number seven. I admit that feels uncomfortable doing that, but um, are, you know, are, have you seen him a lot? I have. Yeah, I, I definitely get the intrigue. He's a very cerebral player on both ends. Can pass. I, I love his fit in Villanova. I want to make sure that he can shoot and he sh- he shows that consistently this year because he's going to have to be a stretch. I think we can both agree on that. He's going to have to shoot the ball off the catch from three. I do worry a little bit about his ability to create offense. Like A lot of his offense that I've seen comes in the post and it's basically overwhelming, less physically gifted players. But if you watch him against some better athletes at um, lower levels, like he couldn't create any kind of separation. He couldn't rely on his strength to get to spots because he doesn't have great bounce. He doesn't have great length extension, but I get the intrigue. Like he could absolutely be a first round pick to me if he can show that he re- can really shoot the ball off the catch, which is something, again, I, I don't know if his, when you watch him shoot aesthetically, you think, yeah, he can really shoot it, but his numbers aren't as persuasive as someone like Matthew Hertz. Right. Me putting him this high is, is me saying, I believe in his shooting. That's yes. really uh, what this is uh, comes down to. And um, like you said, I think he's just a really smart player. I'm buying into the skill level, the basketball IQ, and and I'm betting on his jump shot becoming something he can consistently go to uh, quickly. Nico Mannion, um, man, I'm I'm all over the place with Nico, and I know everyone kind of has him as a late lottery pick. That's just like the safe projection for him. But if you're going to take him in the lottery, I think you have to hope that he is going to be a quality starting point guard. Do you think he could be a quality starting NBA point guard for, say, the Orlando Magic, who I projected at number eight? I do. Yeah, he's one of the most high variance players. I just haven't seen him in enough high level settings yet. Like he hasn't played. I watched the red blue scrimmage for Arizona. He was not impressive in that. He plays tonight, I believe. So I'll get a better depiction tonight. I do think you have to believe in that upside for him as like a starting level point guard, which I do. I, I think that his pull up game is there enough. He makes good enough reads. Like if you watch him in the hoop summit, he his vision really popped in that game. I think maybe his performance was a little overrated if you go back and watch it. Like he struggled to create separation against Isaac Okoro, which is going to be a common theme this year, by the way. But overall, I, th- I think that there's enough there. His IQ, his ability to shoot the ball off the dribble, he can play off the ball as a catch-and-shoot guy. Actually, moves pretty well without the ball, too. So I-, I get the intrigue. The issue for me is more of upside. Like, what is he really dynamic at at the point guard position? Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just so curious to see if he's going to be able to separate um, against NBA point guards. And uh, he's so well-rounded. I love his competitiveness. Uh, full package, passing, shooting, scoring, but... Is he going to be able to set, create enough separation to, to cleanly get his shot off and, and, and be efficient enough offensively as a scorer? Because I think if, if you want to take him that high, he, he's got to be, a, he's got to be an 18-point NBA score, 18.7 assist type guy if you want to take him at number eight overall. I'm guessing that you have uh, Jaden McDaniels, um, somebody you're probably going to watch a lot this year um, at Washington. I think, to me, he jumps out as that cliche boomer bust prospect. Another guy whose highlights, you look like he could be a top five pick. His lowlights look like, you know, he doesn't give a shit what's going on out there. Um, (laughs) uh, Quick takeaway on Jaden McDaniels. Are you still in wait and see approach with him? Very much wait and see. He's one of the prospects I feel least good about as far as giving any takes on just because he is so high variance. Like when I've seen him play like who Paul, for example, I think it was against like Brian Antoine and Scotty Lewis. And he was by far the, the worst prospect of those three. And those guys aren't exactly like dynamic prospects in themselves, like top 10 guys. So that was kind of, disconcerting. I do feel like he is that classic boomer bust guy because you see the physical tools are probably going to get Durant 
parallels because we always do when you have these like tall, lanky, fluid guys who can shoot a little bit. Is he a real shooter? Can he prove that this year? How good is his decision making? You know, he's going to be playing in the zone on defense. How good are his instincts? We know that you can still showcase um, event creation. And I think he had like three steals in his first game, three or four steals. We saw that with Thibel. He's not going to be Thibel, of course, as an off-ball defender, but you can still see instincts. I'm looking for, does he know how to play the game of basketball? Can you get to the rim? Everything has to be answered for me. He's kind of like a mystery box right now. Yeah. I was at that Hoopal game sitting first row and watching him in warmups. I'm like, man, this guy is the real deal. And then the game started and then the game finished. And I was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he's somebody I, I, I can't wait to watch him because uh, I just have zero idea what I'm going to get. All right, two more guys. Um, let's go with, let's go with, um, well, have you seen, Kangu from USC yet? I know it was a late game last night. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's actually, I, I came into the year tentatively with him as my number one center in the class. I could, of course, change, but just based on what I'd seen, I, I'm really impressed with him. Yeah, I mean, I watched that. That was the, when I got home last night from the games, I quickly put on Miami, Louisville, and then uh, and then I saw what he did, uh, Okongu at USC with 2013 and eight blocks. And so that jumped up my priority list of games to watch. And that was like the most ridiculous performance. I know it came against Florida A&M, but that looks so real and something that's going to continue to happen regardless of who he's playing against. He's so quick off the ground and, and uh, just yep. flying everywhere, blocking threes and ripping the ball out of guys' hands and dunking on them and getting up high for lobs. And um, he's kind of that older school big man who, who has no you know, perimeter skills. But uh, I think somebody is going to say this guy is just going to be an animal around the basket. And I, I put him in as my number 13 pick in this upcoming draft. I know it was one game. I did watch that Villanova scrimmage or whatever, and he played really well there. Had some nice hook shots. I'm totally, totally buying in to Okongu. Um, and like if, if, if you already had him as the number one center, good for you, because that, that would be a great, great pick and prediction because it looks like he's on his way towards becoming a lottery pick uh, real fast. Um, last guy, I, I remember, I'm trying to think if you, you were really, you're one of the guys who like really loved him last year, Halliburton, Iowa state. Um, I know he, uh, had, had that great summer for USA this year, last, this past summer, He's such an interesting prospect. Cause he like can't score inside the arc, but he, but he's the analytics guy. He's got the threes, the steals, uh, and obviously the, the assist to turnover ratio, I, it's hard to wrap my head around. Actually, you know what? Now I'm thinking about it. You're more Isaiah Joe guy, and maybe you question Halliburton. Now I'm curious to see if I'm crossing those two. What's your take on Halliburton? No, that's exactly right. I was uh, I like Halliburton. I'm a little skeptical on certain elements of his game. I'm definitely in on Joe. Um, but Halliburton, I mean, the decision-making, he's a basketball savant. He's one of the smartest players in the country. You can watch him for five minutes and tell that. He has that preternatural ability. He sees plays before they happen, all of that. I just question more of the skill level. Can he get to the rim at all? He didn't last year. I think it was like 14 times total. And that counts attacking closeouts. Like this guy doesn't put pressure on the rim. His handle is pretty rudimentary, I think, for the most part. Not a lot of explosiveness in and out of his move. Moves. Like, is he going to run pick and roll? I don't think so, which is going to put a lot of emphasis on his shooting. And he's more of a stationary shooter right now. He needs his feet set. He needs time and space. He can speed up his release a little bit. For, but for the most part, it's a very slow release. I love the team defense IQ, but strength is a big issue on both sides of the floor. He's contact averse on drives. There's just a lot of questions. But like, if you're, if you're saying who's one of the best basketball minds in the country, he's absolutely on that yeah, list. Halliburton is a guy who 
I'm going to have him ranked a lot higher on my mock drafts than I do in my big boards. And I have him, I think my last big board at like 29, but in my mock draft, I have him like 16. I just think somebody's going to like him. And, uh, but I just don't, if you're a, a point guard, you got to be able to beat guys off the dribble. And I just don't see him doing much once he's inside the arc. And that's just such a huge turnoff to me. And if uh, he, he better be a really good three point shooter uh, to, to really justify being a lottery pick. So um, he's going to be one of the college basketball's great players and everyone's going to love him. And I think he's going to put up like absurd assist numbers. I think he had what 14 assists last night uh, and people are going to be fall so much in love with his passing IQ and assists that uh, I think they're going to start to overlook some of the things that maybe they should be paying more attention to, which is that inability to, to really score and put pressure on defenses attacking. Anyway, I, I said this was going to be a shorter podcast, but um, it's, <laughs> it's talking with you. This is uh, it's too much fun. I love doing this. Um, anything you want to plug? Anything you got going on before we sign off? Yeah, so we have new content pretty much up every day at the Step In. We just had two big boards be released from Mike and Ross. You can check those out. I updated the main page rankings. So it's just kind of, we do it very conservatively to start the year. So you'll see tier one, there's four guys. And tier two, there's like 14 guys. And there's not a lot of delineation. So we just kind of approach it pretty... Um, pretty methodically over time but i'm going to try to do a better job of doing that this year on the step in so you can check that out and you can also listen to me probably once a week on the game theory podcast with sam bassini cool thanks a lot man i appreciate uh, you taking the last 45 minutes anytime man